I was in the French Quarter of New Orleans. Have you been there? Who's been to the French Quarter? So you know where I'm going with this. And uh, I was in New Orleans preaching for the Gulf, Stri- Gulf States Ministers Association. I used to love to visit Louisiana. And I met there a street preacher, Sandy Robinson, Reverend Sandy Robinson. And uh, he was a powerful preacher with a very big voice and an even bigger personality. And he would preach on the streets of the French quarters And he would rail against sin and he would call sinners to give their lives to Christ. I befriended him and he used to regale us with his stories of preaching in the French Quarter. But he told us one time about being in the grocery store. Been preaching all morning and he took a break to get a snack and a cold drink and he was in the checkout line. And two women in front of him were talking with each other about all the contradictions in the Bible. And Reverend Robinson leaned in and he said, Ladies, he said, I couldn't help but hear your conversation. He said, Now, he said, I'd like you to just tell me one contradiction in God's Word. You tell me one contradiction. I will get down on my knees and I will lick the floor of this store with my tongue from here to the back. He said, thank God neither of them knew any of the contradictions in the Bible. (laughs) What are we to do with this first reading today? Son of man, I have made you a watchman, and you are to tell the people The wrongs they are doing, you upbraid them for the sin that they are committing. And if they die in their sin, I'm going to hold it against you if you keep your tongue, if you don't speak. What are we to make of this with do not judge, lest you be judged? How are we to hold these two as equal truth? For us, are we to admonish the sinner as the spiritual works of mercy tell us, or are we to withhold from judging another? How are we to obey both at the same time? Admonishing the sinner, one of the Seven Spiritual Works of Mercy, which, for those of you who were raised Catholic, I came upon these when I was 45 years old, but if you were raised, you were raised with those spiritual works of mercy, and uh, that's one of the toughest, perhaps. How do we bring to others their faults when we're so painfully conscious of our own. One of the mysteries, or rather difficulties, let's say, with our mission as Christians in the world is 
understanding how I, as a frail, broken, repetitive sinner, can ever be a witness to the goodness of God? And how can I instruct another to turn away from sins which I myself have committed, perhaps, recently? How can I do that? How can I do what the Scripture says uh, to go to the sinner and point out the wrong that they are doing? Well, perhaps we have the wrong idea of how this operates, of the appeal that is being made. Reverend Robison, who preached on the streets of the French Quarter, had an even bigger heart than he had a voice. He truly loved the people he was preaching to. And there is the, I think, key to how we individually, while we may not be street preachers, can make an appeal to another. Because our imagination is that the fiery Ezekiel would call down fire from heaven on the sinner, the one who was doing wrong, uh, heaping condemnation on them, when in fact, we have to take this in the whole context of Scripture. For instance, St. Paul tells us to speak the truth. Now, the truth may be that sin is wrong and it is a violation of God's law and it will prevent us from going to heaven and that means the other alternative. And yet, the appeal is not one of fiery condemnation, but instead, St. Paul says, speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in love. Now, how do we do that? Love is defined in Scripture with a unique word in Greek, agapeo. It's an old Greek word that was falling into disuse when the Christians took it out of storage, brushed it off, and used it to describe the love of God. There are four words in New Testament Greek for love. We have one word in English. It impoverishes us. So we love chocolate, and we love our mothers, and we love God with the same word. But not in Greek. In Greek, there are four different words for love. And the word that the Christians chose for God's love is agapeo. And that's been defined as seeking the best for the other, even at the expense of yourself. In other words, giving something of yourself away in the loving appeal. How do we do that when we're admonishing the sinner? when we're calling the sinner to turn away from doing wrong, how 
do we use that agapeo love? Seeking the best for the other at the expense of ourselves. When we speak the truth in love, as St. Paul admonishes us to do, the appeal is to our own weakness and fault. So when another is erring in a way that will undo them, we need to make the appeal from our own experience and reveal something of ourselves, perhaps in a statement as simple as this, I found in my own life that that caused a tremendous amount of suffering to me and to those I love. And so I'm urging you, turn away from that. Don't follow that path because I found in my own life that that leads to a tremendous loss and suffering. Now, we don't have to go into a litany of explicit sins. We don't have to go into what uh, we've done or not done, but just rather to say, I found in my own life and in the lives of those I love that this results in a lot of loss and suffering. It's not unlike what we tell our children uh, as they're growing uh, and developing. We want them to live lives that fulfill God's law because this is uh, reflective of who they were actually created to be. And to do less than God's law is to become less than who they were created to be. You want them to be a full person, just as God made each and every one of us, so that following his law means realizing our fullest potential in the course of our lives. To do less than that, that is to sin, means to fall short of that goal, of becoming the fullest person I'm created to be. In fact, the word sin itself, while we imagine a whole list of items, do's and don'ts, mostly don'ts, all don'ts really, except one or two do's, but we think of just sin as don't, 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 don't. But the word sin, hamartia, in the Greek New Testament, do you know what it means? Who knows what hamartia means in the Greek New Testament? It's a word from archery. Archery? So when the archer would uh, load the bow, put the arrow into the bow, and draw the bowstring back, aim at the bullseye, the target, and then release the arrow and miss the bullseye, hamartia. It means to miss the mark, to miss the bullseye, to miss the target. What is the target of the Christian's life? The target of the Christian life is to become fully the person God made me to be. And when I sin, I fall short of that goal. And so when we appeal to the sinner, when we admonish the sinner, we're asking them to look at that target. Put your focus on the bullseye, which is to become fully the person God made you to be. And if you're sinning, you're falling short of that, you're going to feel a sense of great loss in the course of your life. And I've felt that when I've fallen short 
of God's law. And so the appeal is one from one's own loss, from one's own experience, rather than calling down fire from heaven and condemning the other. This is what it means when St. Paul says, speak the truth in love. Admonishing the sinner is a spiritual work of mercy. It is not a crass and arrogant uh, act of condemnation and judgment. It's an appeal to the other to get on target with God's plan and purpose for your life. This way, you'll fully realize God's plan. When my colleague Jay Sekulow was arguing in the United States Supreme Court in a case called Lamb's Chapel versus Senamarich's School District, it was a case out of Long Island, New York, New York City, really, and uh, the school district had said that they would not permit any religious services or religious uh, activities in their school buildings, but they rented their building to any other group to use. And so Lamb's Chapel wanted to show a Christian film series in the school district building, and they were denied because they were a religious group. They took the case all the way to the United States Supreme Court. And in the oral argument, the assistant attorney general of New York was arguing for the prohibition on any religious activity in the school's buildings. And uh, the late Justice Scalia, in his inimitable way, leaned over. I have the, uh, I have the uh, transcript here in my pocket of that case. When I was at the American Center for Law and Justice, we argued 13 cases before the Supreme Court. Uh, Lamb's Chapel was the second of those 13 cases. And Antonin Scalia, late justice of the court, leaned over and he said, to the Assistant Attorney General of New York, it used to be thought that, this is quote, that religion, didn't matter what religion, but some code of morality always went with it, and it was thought that, you know, what was called a God-fearing person might be less likely to mug me and rape my sister. That apparently is not the view of New York State anymore. How is this new regime going for you in New York? Admonishing the sinner is an important work of mercy to point out the shortfalls in our society is still a very important Christian action, but it must be done not in condemnation, but in love and appeal to the other, to straighten their aim, to focus on the target, which is to become the person that God created you and me to be. Sin falls short of that goal. And so let's turn away from sin toward God and become the person God made each of us to be.